man. He has a tendency to do that. But we're in the book of Amos. You would think my next sermon would be short because Obadiah is only one chapter. Amos is nine chapters long. And how many of you were able to read that? How many of you are confused by that? Me too. Hallelujah. I love this because I'm really digging deep, and, I, and there's just no way in one sermon, each one of these uh, minor prophets could, could be broken up into several different sermons, I'm sure, especially these longer books. Uh, but I'm just trying to give you a, a 30,000-foot perspective of each book, and we'll dive down in places and kind of pick up some things that, that um, I feel like the Lord is saying to Grapevine. There's a lot of things that we could preach about, but I really like to keep it specific to what I feel like God is trying to say to our body. Amen? Because that's what's most important, right? I want to know what God's saying to me. I don't really care what he's saying to everybody else. I mean, I do in a, in a way, but I really am more interested in what God is saying to me. So we're in the book of Amos, and this is the third minor prophet book in your Bible, in order of your Bible. And it's right over there, right after Hosea, right? And who did we preach about last week? Joel, good job. So then comes Amos, yes. And his name actually means burden or burden bearer. I don't know if I want to be named that. Now, what I found in my studies is a lot of the minor prophets' names may not necessarily be their biological uh, born name. A lot of them picked up, like, like, uh, like Hosea picked up his name because of that's the ministry he called. And a lot of scholars believe that Amos really isn't named Amos, but he was a burden bearer. I'm glad God didn't call me that. Amen? I bear enough burden, but I don't want the title of it because that means you're going to bear more than you really probably want to. Amen? So don't confuse Amos with Amos, A-M-O-Z, who is Isaiah's dad, right? You see him in 2 Kings. He is not the same person. Amos is, is, the, is Amos all by himself. He is probably the first famous Amos. Praise God. Amen? Now you want a cookie, don't you? Praise God. Not John Stamos, no. Talking Amos, the book of Amos, right? Amos' ministry took place around 750 B.C. during the time of King Jeroboam II. If you remember back when we were preaching in Hosea, this is the same time frame. Hosea and Amos were preaching the same time and a lot of the same message. He was from the southern kingdom of Judah. It was a little town about 12 miles from Jerusalem called Tekoa. And it was like in the, in the hills, uh, a little, little hilly section. Like he had probably had a little cavern or we'd call it a cave. You know, I used to joke with my dad because I used to say he's so old. I used, to, I used to ask him all the time um, what it was like to, to play with monkeys, you know, in the caves and stuff. And he didn't find that very funny and neither do you. I don't know why. But Amos really did live in the hillside about 12 miles from Jerusalem. And he preached to both the northern kingdom and the southern. So Judah and Israel as well. Now the book of Amos, as you're reading through this, I want to give you how it's kind of laid out for you. It consists of three different parts, okay? The first part are chapters 1 through 2. And it's basically the judgment of Israel's neighbors, all right, let me tell you who the, who the neighbors of Israel are. It's Damascus, who is Syria today, okay? It, I should have put a map up there. It's Gaza, which is still there. It's uh, Tyre, or Tyre, T-Y-R-E, 
It's Lebanon today, and it's also Ammon and Moab, which is Jordan today. So these countries still exist. You can see there is still a downfall in the country uh, because of the fact that many of them didn't repent after God's warning signs, which is what we're preaching about today, God's warning signs. So the second part of, of Amos consists of chapters 2 through 6, and it's the spiritual breakdown of Judah and Israel. Spiritual breakdown of Judah and Israel. And the next portion is the five prophetic visions, chapter 7 through 9. And it's the vision of the locusts, vision of the fire, vision of the plumb line, vision of the summer fruit, and vision of the Lord by the altar. Today, I'm going to pick up the vision of the plumb line and tie it to what I feel like the Lord is saying. That's kind of hard to read, isn't it? You guys got that okay? Okay. Some of those were fill-ins in your, in your thing. So did you get all those? If you're filling these out, they make great fans if you don't want to fill out the back, right? See, many of you using it, praise God. Didn't waste my money, praise the Lord, hallelujah. But before we go any farther, I'd like to, I'd like to uh, pray. Lord, thank you for the word of God this morning. Thank you for what you've already done today. I pray that our ears would be open. We would receive the message from the Lord today. Uh, Lord, it would compel our hearts to be drawn closer to you. Lord, that it would... Help us to put aside anything that is obstructing our walk with you and, and anything that's hindering us from drawing closer to you, anything that is outside influencing our lives that is distracting us from our relationship with you. Help us to put those things aside in Jesus' name, amen. So I want to read to you Amos chapter 7, verses 7 through 17. The Bible says, thus he showed me. Behold, the Lord stood on a wall made with a plumb line, with a plumb line in his hand. And the Lord said to me, Amos, what do you see? And I said, a plumb line. Then the Lord said, Behold, I am setting a plumb line in the midst of my people Israel. I will not pass by them anymore. The high places of Isaac shall be desolate, and the sanctuaries of Israel shall be laid waste. I will rise with a sword against the house of Jeroboam. Then Amaziah, the priest of the Bethel, sent to Jeroboam, king of Israel, saying, Amos has conspired against you in the midst of the house of Israel. The land is not able to bear all his words. For thus Amos has said, Jeroboam shall die by the sword, and Israel shall surely be led away captive from their own land. Then Amaziah said to Amos, Go, you seer, flee to the land of Judah. There eat bread and there prophesy, but never again prophesy at Bethel, for it is the king's sanctuary, and it is the royal residence. Let me just stop there. This is in my notes, but this morning when I was reading through my text, I just thought about, about this, this verse here, 12 and 13. Isn't that just like uh, people who are of the world still? Take your gospel somewhere else. Take your message somewhere else. Take your... Uh, rhetoric somewhere else. Take that message somewhere else. And what they're saying to us is, take the love of God somewhere else. I'm not interested in it. And we see that so much today. Let's, let's read verse 14 and finish up this passage. Then Amos said and answered to Amaziah, I was no prophet, nor was I the son of a prophet, but I was a sheep breeder and a tender of sycamore fruit. Then the Lord took me as I followed the flock, and the Lord said to me, go prophesy to my people Israel. Now, therefore, hear the word of the Lord, you say. Do not prophesy against Israel, and do not spout against the house of Israel. Therefore, thus says the Lord, your wife shall be a harlot in the city, 
Your sons and daughters shall fall by the sword. Your land shall be divided by a survey line. You shall die in a defiled land, and Israel shall surely be led away captive from his own land. So in this particular instance, Amos is seeing the Lord. He's standing by a wall, and there's a picture of a plumb line. And the Lord is holding a plumb line to make sure that the wall had been built true and straight. And the vision he's giving him is that uh, that plumb line will confirm that it's straight in his life, right? That the plumb line is used, Don's in construction. If you hold it up, I was going to have him bring one, but he didn't have one. But if you hold it up to, next to a wall, it should be the same distance all the way along if that wall is straight because gravity doesn't lie, amen? Gravity will always pull you down, hallelujah. What goes up must come down, right? So if the wall is true, the plumb line will prove it. And if the wall is not, then the plumb line shows that too. Listen to me this morning. God's word is the plumb line of our life. God is still holding a plumb line to our life, and this is the standard. This is what he is measuring your life with, not by what the world says, not by what other churches are teaching, not by what everybody thinks is okay. You can't get to heaven several different ways. I don't care what they're telling you. There's one way, and that has not changed, and it's not about to change, amen? And the plumb line is the Word of God. So we need to understand that right away because the world is coming in and they're telling us, oh, you're intolerant. Oh, you don't have love because you don't agree with the agendas that are going on. No, I'm just trying to do what the plumb line is instructing me to do. I'm just trying to live my life according to the plumb line of God. And it's offensive to some. Do you remember before Christ? How many of you were offended by the word of God? You can break that word offensive down anyway. Put off by, turned off by, not interested in, waste of my time, right? All of us were before Christ offended by the things of God. So here's Israel. They had turned far away from God's way. They had done a complete 180 from the plumb line of their life, God's word. So Amos was called to prophesy God's warning signs to the people. That's what his ministry was. He wasn't a professional prophet. He was a shepherd and a gardener. That's what he was doing. That's how he made his living. Sometimes he's referred to as the overall prophet. Or the country prophet. You may have heard those terms before. They're referring to Amos. But God needed a voice, and Amos became that voice. Listen, God will use anybody. doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done, what your education is, what you're doing currently. God will use you if you are a willing vessel. Amen. How many willing vessels are in the house this morning? Whew, a few more hands than three. There's only three still down. Pray, I'll pray for you. Hallelujah. It's probably because your arm's broken. I know you want to put it up there. You just can't get it up there. Oh, it's all right. God needed a voice, and Amos became that voice. Listen, Amos spoke the word of God faithfully and with great boldness, challenging the whole nation to return to God and to repent of their sin. So Israel, at this time, what you need to understand is they were thriving economically. They were rich, man. 
they had it going on. Everything was good. The, 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 the coppers were full, the vats were full, the bank accounts were full. Everything was going really well physically, but they were in terrible shape spiritually. Sounds a little bit like the country I live in today. They had gone after other lovers, as we saw in Hosea. They had the look of religion, but no intimate relationship with their Savior or with God, as we saw last week when we talked about the book of Joel. The people were proud and arrogant. That's what's going on in the setting. So Amos came up, and in a sense, he held up a mirror for them to look at themselves in it. That's what the Word of God is to us. It's a mirror. When you read the Word of God, you should be seeing a reflection of yourself. And if you're not, you're in trouble. Wake up. I'm not trying to punch anybody in the mouth today. I'm trying to help you. If you don't look like this more and more every day, then you're in trouble. It's a warning sign. Wake up, family. <laughs> Wake up. Look in the mirror. Amen. Oh, praise God. Hallelujah. They were exploiting the needy, and they were oppressing the poor. We'll read about that in just a minute. So Hosea, I mean, Hosea, yeah, two weeks ago, Amos, he began with the words of God in the first two chapters. He was pronouncing judgment on the nation, ending with Judah and Israel. And as you read through these two chapters, you will see, as you read through several times, didn't you see where it said, for these three sins and even four? Remember that? Let's read a couple of these. In Amos chapter 2, verses 4 through 7, Thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of Judah, and for four, I will not turn away its punishment, because they have despised the law of the Lord and have not kept his commandments. Their lies lead them astray, lies which their fathers followed. But I will send fire upon Judah, and it shall be devoured. It shall devour the places of Jerusalem. Thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of Israel, and for four, I will not turn away its punishment. Because they sell the righteous for silver and the poor for a pair of sandals. They paint after the dust of the earth which is on the head of the poor and pervert the way of the humble. Listen, God wasn't saying I only, you only have three or four sin. God saw all of their sin, amen? He was highlighting, showcasing a few to try to get their attention. You know, there's sin in all of our life, amen? amen. Can I get a witness? Is anybody in the house of God perfect yet? We're perfected in Christ Jesus, amen? But there are some sin that when God shows it to you, you say, oh, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about, God. I, I, I'm aware of what's going on, and that's what's going on here. God's saying, hey, these three or four things are enough for me to just punch you in the mouth. I don't know why I keep using that re reference today. It's, it's just strange. He was giving them a warning. He was telling them, if you continue down this road, that you're going to face judgment. You're going to have severe consequences that you're going to have to walk through. You really don't want to do that. And I think God warns us, and that's what the message today is about. He, he brings warnings into the life of the Christian. Hey, the, the path you're on, loved one, is not the path I've chosen for you. And if you keep going this way, you're going to have to face consequences because you're walking out of the blessings that I have for you. And when you walk out from my covering, I can't do it for you anymore. God doesn't bless something that he opposes. 
He doesn't turn the cheek and say, well, I just won't look at that one. No, he's not that way. And as we walk through our lives, he sends warnings to us. And and, and let me help you with something, because when you hear the word judgment, and I've been preaching on judgment, because that's really what all the 12 prophets are about. Judgment isn't a bad thing. Judgment is God's warning signs to you. So today I I turned the frame from judgment to warning sign because that's really what it is. It's God saying, hey, I love you. Wake up. I love you, and what you're doing is not good for you, and I know what's best for you, so please, please wake up. We need to realize that God's warnings are a benefit to us. So look at number one. God's warning is an act of grace. As a righteous and holy God, he could have executed judgment right now, and no one could have blamed him. But in his grace, he showed mercy. He was patient. Thank you, Jesus. We should all be thanking Jesus that he was patient with us. Amen. Because he could have executed judgment in my life. Listen, family, I deserve hell. And anything better than hell is really better than I deserve. But God, in his mercy and his grace, sent his son, Jesus, to die for me that I could have eternal life. Amen? Amen. That I could be forgiven of the lifestyle I was living. One of the unfortunate pictures we have of God painted throughout the Old Testament is that he is a, a God of judgment. That he, he's mean and he's angry. Because that's all we read about. How could God be so cruel? But we forget that God has put up with our sin for a long, long time. And God had put up with the sins of Israel for a very long time. Look at Psalm 145, verse 8 and 9. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and great in mercy. The Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies are over all his works. I'm so glad about that. Number two, God's warning is an act of love. Amos chapter 3, verse 7 says, Surely the Lord does nothing unless he reveals his secret to the servant, the prophets. God does nothing unless he's warning his people. Listen, God will never punish you without warning you first. God will never... Listen, he loves you enough to tell you what you're being spanked for. He does. As a parent, I hope as you discipline your children, you don't just spank them or, or, or discipline them. And when they ask why, say, well, you better know why. If not, you better figure it out. God doesn't do that to us. Because sometimes we're really like, Lord, what's going on in my life? And God will tell you about that. Amos chapter 2, verse 11 through 13 says, I raised up some of your sons as prophets and some of your young men as Nazarites. Is it not so, you children of Israel, says the Lord? But you gave the Nazarites wine to drink and commanded the prophets, saying, Do not prophesy. Behold, I am weighed down by you. Listen, when we shut the mouth of God, we weigh him down. When we, when we don't look at the plumb line of God in our life, we weigh him down. It's like we put God in a box is what he's saying. You put me in a box and I can't do anything in your life because here's where I sit. You won't let me out. You won't let me be Lord of your life. You only want to pull me out on Sunday morning and you, won't, you put me back in before Sunday night. Because there's some crazy worship service tonight. I don't know. No, I'm kidding about that one. 
as Amos is speaking, God is still giving the people of Israel time. In fact, God gave them almost 40 more years before Israel was led away captive by Syria, by the Assyrians. 40 more years God kept telling them, hey, 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 Jude, uh, don't let me down, right? <laughs> Each time we're convicted by the word of God, we need to respond to it. When God convicts us by his word, respond to it. Do it. Change something. This is serious. Listen, repentance is always a step towards God's blessing. Always a step towards his blessing. Judgment is never God's choice. It's always my choice. I choose when I choose. I choose judgment when I'm being judged because God has given me ample warning to change my ways. And if I choose not to change my ways, I get to face the consequences. Anybody ever felt a little bit of that? Whew, I'm glad I'm not the only one. God doesn't condemn anybody. John 3.17 told us that. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him we might be saved. Jesus didn't come here to condemn anybody. We condemn ourselves when we choose not to follow him and turn from our wicked ways. All right, I got another passage of scripture here to read. Give me five extra minutes, would you? Amos chapter 4. Also, I gave you cleanness of teeth in all your cities and a lack of bread in your places. Yet you have not returned to me, says the Lord. I also withheld rain from you. When there were still three months to the harvest, I made it rain on one city. I withheld rain from another city. One part was rained upon, and where it did not rain, that part withered. So two or three cities wandered to another city to drink water, but they were not satisfied. Yet you have not returned to me, says the Lord. I blasted you with blight and mildew. When, the gardens in, when, the, when your gardens increased, your vineyards, your fig trees, and your olive trees, the locusts devoured them. Yet you have not returned to me, says the Lord. I sent among you a plague after the manner of Egypt. Your young men I killed with a sword. Along with your captive horses, I made the stench of your camps come into your nostrils. Yet you have not Return to me, says the Lord. I overthrew some of you as God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah, and you were like a firebrand plucked from the burning. Yet you have not returned to me, says the Lord. Thus I will do to you, O Israel, because I do this to you. Prepare to meet your God. Man, don't ever want to hear those words when you're in the middle of your sin. You don't ever want to wait till it's too late, and you don't want to hear the words, prepare to meet your God when you're in the middle of running amok. Amen? I'd rather hear, well done, hallelujah. You know what I'm saying? God was giving them warning signs. And he does that in our life. He warns us through our friends. He warns us through the word of God. He warns us through prophets. He warns us through life experiences. He's trying to remind us to turn back to him. Number three, and lastly, God's warning is an act of hope. Warnings are an act of hope. It, listen, it's our only hope for a better life. The only way you can be fulfilled in life is to do it God's way. Take it from somebody who's tried it his own way too many times. Fulfillment comes from doing it God's way. The plumb line vision is important. First, because we need to know what's true and what's straight. And secondly, and more importantly, we need to align ourselves to it. We don't study the Bible only to know God's will and God's ways. We study the Bible to align ourselves with the Word of God. It's one thing to know it. 
It's a whole other thing to do it, baby. I used to be really good at memorizing stuff. Got the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, almost all memorized. No, not the whole thing. But big portions of it. And I was miserable because I wasn't working it. Amen? I don't set out so much to memorize Scripture. God brings Scripture to my heart when I need it. And because I've read the Word over and over and over and over and over and over again, there's things I've memorized, amen? It's not my goal to memorize. I just want to live it. I just want to walk it. I just want to work it. I just want to do the Word of God, amen? Don't be hearers only, but be doers of the Word of God. you got to know what to do it, though, don't you? The book of Amos is a call of God to his people to return to him and his ways. Listen, the Bible is not an encyclopedia to increase your knowledge. It's not a self-help book to make your life an easy and comfortable way. Listen, one theologian put it this way. He says, we study the Bible to listen to his voice that comes from outside our experience, not to listen to our own voice that is crying from within. His word is not one of many. It is the only word that has been there from all eternity because it comes from the eternal God. God then is not there for our use when we need him. We are here on earth for his use. He is not there for our benefit as if he were a product. We are here for his service and his glory. Take a look at the plumb line. Take a look the mirror of God in your life. Are you off a little? Are you on? Only you can answer the question. We need to check it often, and we need to continually align ourselves with it. Listen, Don, when you build a wall, do you just hold the plumb line once? You have to keep moving it down the wall. As you continue to build, as you continue to build your life, you've got to keep using the plumb line in your life. The Word of God, it's, it's the measuring rod. It's the one that says whether you're straight or not. And, and you can dis- dispute this all you want to. And you have the right to be wrong. Or you can repent and ask for forgiveness and ask God to put you back on track. And guess what? Exactly what he does. God does not exist for us. We exist for him. We live for him and we live to glorify him. Amen? Amen. Some of you need to turn back to God. Some of you need to get some get right back in your life. Amen? Some of you have been deceived by the enemy. Some of you have been taken off the course. Some of you have been distracted. And it's easy. Family, it's easy to do. And you turn a rudder one degree, which is barely noticeable at all when you're moving on water. But when you get about 50 miles down the road, you're way off track. One degree. One degree in a Christian's life is detrimental. You will face consequences. It's, it's important to measure your life against the Word of God. It's important to measure your standard. Man, do it constantly. Do it frequently. That's what's so powerful about coming to fellowship together, about being under the preaching of the Word of God, about studying the Word of God together and and having home studies and and having quiet time with the Lord and prayer time. And you know what my prayer is all the time? God, if I'm off track, put me back on. Because I'm just human. I don't always see it. 
My eyes are going bad, and I refuse to wear glasses, so I don't know when I'm going off track sometimes. Amen. It's true. It's the truth. God's not here to condemn you, but to save you. And the choice is still ours. He warns because he's gracious. He warns because he loves us. And he warns us because he, it is the only hope we have. With every head bowed and every eye closed. And you're here this morning and you'd say, you know, Pastor, I am off track. I don't even have to hold up the plumb line. No, I don't have to look in the mirror. I've already done that, and I'm off track, and I can't get back on. My desire, my heart says I want to, but I'm, I'm so distracted. I'm so confused. I'm so frustrated. I'm so angry. I'm so undisciplined. I need Jesus. If that's you, raise your hand. anyone here today has never received Jesus as their Lord and Savior. You've never said yes to the Lord. You've never said, hey, Jesus, I want you in my life. Would you do that today? Would you make a commitment? Would you make a step of faith? Would you, would you get yourself straight with Jesus? Is that you? Show me your hand if that's you. You're going to do that right now for the first time. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else would say, hey, I just need Jesus. I've never given my life to him. I've never walked with him. I've never said yes to him. pray this together. Thank you. I see your hand. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let's pray this prayer together. Say, Jesus, forgive me. I need you in my life. I can't do this without you. I know that you died for me and I'm forgiven of my sins. I accept your forgiveness today. I confess with my mouth that you are Lord. In your name I pray.